Hi, I'm Callie. And I'm Rachel. And we are Pelvic Service Announcement. Tuesdays are for the boys again today. Super exciting. We haven't done a male episode in forever. It's been a long time. It's been too long. I feel like we have to like talk about football or something. I know. All I know is like Joe Burrow and the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) I will talk about Joe Burrow all day long. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Have you seen that TikTok? That's just like, it's this guy and he's just like, oh, you think your girlfriend doesn't know about football? (laughs) Ask her who the quarterback of the Bengals is. But she knows what kind of underwear he wears. His favorite cologne. Have you seen the one where the girl stitches it and she's like, she's like Cincinnati Bengals. Um, And then it's like his number. Nine. Yes. Boxers. (laughs) Like she's just answering. Chanel. (laughs) 101.3. It has cracked me up. These women are feral for Joe Burrow and I love it. I'm here for it. I saw this one tweet and it was like, it was when the, uh, Bengals played the Chiefs and it was like I'm rooting for the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes is not my wife's uh hall pass (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing I was just like cracking up oh man so Uh, so yes we'll talk about Joe Burrow all day long boys all day long that is what we know about football I do know that the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl I am a Chiefs fan Slash Patrick, I'm a Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey fan. That's fair. Um, That's fair. See, I'm a Lions fan, and so I really don't have any ties to the NFL. Yeah, because the Lions. I was about to say how that they did have like the best season this year than they have in probably since I've been alive. There you go. That's okay. (laughs) We're moving up. We're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. Well, there's our football talk. I hope the boys enjoyed the football Uh talk. But (laughs) anyways. This week, like I said, we decided to throw the boys a bone. No pun intended, because we're talking about erectile (laughs) dysfunction. (laughs) I remember there was an episode. I think we ended up leaving it in the episode. I don't remember what I don't remember what we were talking about. Oh, I do. It was it was Tuesdays for the boys and I don't remember what exactly. You know exactly I'm what I'm st- talking about, yeah. though. Because you said we were talking about erectile dysfunction and how, like, pelvic floor physical therapy can help. And I think you said something like, so if you have that, just come see us and Callie and Rachel will help you get that see. erection. Uh, we're going to find I have to look this up now. I'm pretty sure I put it in, like, you one did. of the videos. It's a, it's, it is on our Instagram. Oh, for sure. Um, you can scroll back and look, but we've got uh, some fun things in there. Yeah. We gotta find this. We now. gotta find this. <laughs> so, come see us and we'll help we'll you get that reaction. <laughs> Careful, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I literally said, come see us and we'll help you get that erection. And Rachel listened. <laughs> Rachel was like, we I gotta gotta be careful with this wording <laughs> we've got to cool like explain what that means i just and, like can see that being stitched and like put on tiktok right, and right. be like listen we don't even treat men we so we really, yeah, you me know, and Rachel don't. you'll you'll be seeing somebody else 
he'll be seeing somebody else. But the However, topic of today it's is very erectile serious, dysfunction. And we're going to yes. be mature now. Starting yes. now. <laughs> We've got it out of our system. But there are so many different things that go into erectile dysfunction and like what the underlying causes are, what the treatment looks like. And, you know, even down to the physio- physiology of things is I thought it was like super interesting. And um, I mean, just kind of took me back to the gross anatomy days where we had to learn about this and yeah dissect a penis sorry boys I'm, we did dissect we did a penis dissect we penis. literally like skinned Dude, sorry they're gonna throw up yeah sorry they don't it made me uncomfortable yeah I think one of the guys at our tank actually left the room because oh, no. he was like I can't do this um I like in class not in our class but they're in classes past guys passed out every like it's, it's not it's, it was not pretty no it was really not pretty I don't know how to say this and like not sound like a perv but erections fascinate me like the whole <laughs> physiology the things that have to like, take how does the coordination it's like a ballroom yes, dance literally it's just so fascinating so so real quick I just wanted to run through just like a quick review of like the anatomy of the penis because that has so much to do with how it actually functions and how it achieves that erection and so the there are the main like erectile structures of the penis are what's called the bilateral so meaning on both sides corpora cavernosa and that is surrounded by a um, kind of like a dense fibrous tissue called the tunica albuginea and so these structures help to achieve and maintain that erection and keep that rigidity and so the corpora cavernosa is formed by sinusoids which is basically just skin cells and smooth muscle that are capable of substantial expansion and so that arterial supply comes from the pudendal artery and the penile artery um if you remember from last week's two weeks ago now episode the pudendal nerve again how we talked about how nerves and arteries typically run together that's again that pudendal artery and the and the penile artery so that's kind of the basic structure like makeup of the penis and so at rest when the penis is flaccid it is basically like that resting tone of the smooth muscles actually higher leading to low volume of inflow and outflow so like it's there's just not much that's happening it's just kind of hanging out which is kind of like backwards to all the other like muscles at rest that has a high tone because it's keeping the blood out exactly it's like constricted And so with stimulation, sexual arousal, we've talked about those sexual response phases, that arousal response, that is when we have some parasympathetic innervation, which I thought was super interesting when we learned about it in gross anatomy. I was like, what do you mean? Like our rest and digest system is responsible for that erection? Yes, it is. Um, And so that parasympathetic innervation causes that smooth muscle to actually relax, which increases the blood flow into the penis and results in that penile lengthening and tumescence which I think tumescence I think is such a fun word it basically just means rigidity yeah so that is kind of like again that parasympathetic innervation we get those smooth muscles to relax we get this huge inflow of blood that's when we get that rigidity and the lengthening um as those sinusoids engorge they actually compress the exiting veins which keeps the blood in the penis and we get some activation from the bulbospongiosis that 
lovely urogenital triangle muscle in the pelvic floor that we have talked at length about. And so that activation from that muscle also leads to some more of that passive limitation of that blood outflow. So we've got the smooth muscle relaxes, we've got the blood flowing in. As those sinusoids expand, as the penis expands, it restricts that outflow. We get the bulbospongiosis active in that as well. And we've kind of, and we've talked about this before, but it almost acts as like a little tourniquet Mm -hmm. to prevent that blood from escaping. And so now we have the erection. And if you think about it, there's really a lot of coordination that has to go of all of these muscles to maintain that erection. And so that's where pelvic floor physical therapy can really come in handy or can be really helpful if we're having some of this erectile dysfunction. Because if you think about it, those muscles, the bulbospongiosis and the ischiocavernosis that are contracting to keep that blood in there, they've got to be relaxed first to allow kind of Mm -hmm. that blood flow in. All of that's got to happen kind of at the right time. And then we've got to have that contracting to maintain the rigidity. So yeah. And you've got to have enough rigidity too. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. if, you know, if the penis is like half flaccid, half hard, that can make any sort of penetration pretty difficult if that's your goal. And so like, there's a lot that goes into this. And and then of course you think about, okay, how long do we need to maintain this erection? Like, is this going to be like a quickie over in five minutes kind of thing? Or is this going to be a sustained sexual experience? You know, like there's a lot that goes into it, that endurance, the coordination, the control of those muscles, all of those things play a huge, huge role in again achieving and maintaining that erection as we kind of move through the phases of arousal and we hit when men hit that climax response and we have ejaculation and climax then the signals start telling the muscles that rachel just talked about to kind of start working in reverse so bubble spongiosis ischiocavernosis that tunica albuginia albuginia all that kind of relaxes starts letting that blood back out and we return to flaccid Yep. And so it's actually a sympathetic response for the actual ejaculation. Um, I remember, okay, I have one more inappropriate joke. So (laughs) the way that we remembered this in PT school was that parasympathetic is responsible for the erection. Sympathetic is responsible for the ejaculation was point and shoot PNS. (laughs) Did you not hear that? Yes. (laughs) Yes. That was how we remembered it. So point and shoot, parasympathetic and sympathetic innervation for achieving, maintaining the erection and eventual resolution. That's hilarious. I forgot about that. <laughs> point oh and shoot. Oh my gosh. There's a lot that goes into erectile dysfunction. So a, much. There's so many things. I mean, there's so many psychological factors. Yes. Stress is an, is huge. It's also, and this is one of the kind of things I want you to take home. It can be an early warning sign of a more serious illness like atherosclerosis or that hardening of plaque, that blockage in your arteries, heart disease, high blood pressure, or high blood sugar from diabetes. So especially depending on your age range, if you are experiencing erectile dysfunction, and I don't mean just like one time you got nervous and it didn't work. I mean like it's been a consistent thing. It's starting to affect your daily life go see a doctor first and roll out any of these more sinister 
usually we're like, oh, come see a pelvic floor therapist. I will say with this, go see your doctor first and let's rule out any kind of atherosclerotic changes, heart disease, high blood pressure, or diabetes first. Because so much of the erection is, it really revolves around blood flow. Like that is the biggest thing. Like that is what actually causes that erection like we just talked about we get that inflow of blood and then the restriction of its outflow well if you're not getting that blood flow that could be a bigger sign of something cardiovascular wise that could be going on so definitely go get checked out a lot of you know causes of um, erectile dysfunction can be physiological Um, And so getting lab work done and some blood tests, looking at ultrasounds, even a cardiac stress test, things like that um, can be really, really important. Like Kelly said, just to make sure that this isn't an early warning sign of something else, something more sinister Mm -hmm. going on. So one of the things I saw in reading a couple articles was once these big, scary things were ruled out, a lot of times then men were just kind of told, it's a stress problem. Like you're overstressed, you're anxious. And so a lot of times they were put on like anxiety meds or something like that, which led them to feeling like, oh my gosh, is this all in my head? Like what is going on? And sometimes, no, it's not in your head. No, it's not just stress. There can be these physical problems. They can be a pelvic floor issue, coordination issue. And that is where we come in. So um, I found an article that kind of broke it down Broke, broke it, it down, down. broke it go. down, broke it down into three different types of causes, like three different kind of categories of erectile dysfunction. We've got the organic. So that's the physical illness. That's the high blood pressure, the cardiovascular disease, the high cholesterol, even some prostate issues. Then we've got the intrapsychic, and that is our reaction to stress. And so that is, you know, those relationship issues. That is, um, you know, our work stress, our life stress. And then the last one is the relationship. I kind of misspoke. So yeah, the last one is the relationship. And that is our inter- interpersonal stress, the performance anxiety, right? If you're all of a sudden like, I've, you know, haven't been able to get an erection in, you know, the last couple of weeks, is it going to happen this time? And then you start freaking out and you start stressing more and more about it. It's going to be harder and harder to, you know, be in the moment and allow yourself to go through that sexual response cycle. And next thing you know, it can be even more difficult. So all like kind of those three, main categories, but some of the other risk factors are being over 50, um, high blood sugar, cardiovascular disease, high cholesterol, smoking, drug use, and alcohol, um, obesity, a sedentary lifestyle, um, again, those changes in blood flow, um, nerve damage, and even cancer treatments and other drugs, and of course that, uh, you know, our, our emotions, depression, anxiety, and stress. So just like pretty much everything we've talked about for women, men, the best thing you can do for your erection is just live a healthy lifestyle. Yes. Diet and exercise, that's going to prevent your or mitigate your risk for the, the big scary things we talked about, the high cholesterol, cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, all of that. So if you're like, if you're young and you're not having any problems, and you're like, w- literally, what can I do to not have a problem with this in the future? Start now with just the healthy lifestyle staying active eating a, a well-balanced diet stop smoking stop please stop smoking. stop drinking in excess yeah. i saw something 
it was this article, I want to say from the New York Times, but I could be wrong. But it was kind of like, is drinking the new smoking? Ooh. And it was like, you know, back doctors used to be like, oh, yeah, smoke a cigarette to calm down. And there, there's all this research kind of coming out about how bad alcohol really is for you. And so it's like, especially in excess, it's, it's horrible for your body. So stop drinking, especially excessively. Um, so I just had to Google whiskey dick real quick. Because <laughs> we that, gonna be mature. Listen, <laughs> that was, I found a really good article about it because that just made me think, okay, you know, we've, we've all kind of heard, heard that phrase whiskey dick before. What does it mean? Um, it's basically the medical term <laughs> for whiskey dick is alcohol related erectile dysfunction or alcohol induced sexual dysfunction. It's a temporary form of ED that occurs after somebody drinks too much alcohol. Um, is can also refer to anybody with or without a penis. It doesn't have to be just those with one. Um, but basically alcohol is a depressant. So it affects the central nervous system and it specifically reacts with a specific neurotransmitter. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name. GABA. That's all you need to know. (laughs) GABA. Um, basically GABA slows down brain activity. Um, and so consuming a higher amount of alcohol um, can decrease sexual performance and impact that nerve function, leading to a reduced response to sexual stimulation. Um, Alcohol also affects pathways involved in sexual arousal, blood circulation, and achieving an erection, and it slows down the flow of signals from the brain to the spinal cord, which can also lead to erectile dysfunction. So. So there's that. Oh, and also another little tidbit there. Chronic heavy drinking may damage blood vessels throughout the body, raising a person's risk of erectile dysfunction, stroke, and heart disease. A 2021 study highlights that nearly half of people with alcohol dependence experience sexual dysfunction. And a 2017 study notes that heavy and chronic drinking increases the risk of developing erectile dysfunction. So like we've talked about, the main thing here with achieving, maintaining that erection is that blood flow. So anything that's going to affect your blood flow is going to affect your ability to have and maintain an erection. Again, alcohol, drugs, stress, anxiety, healthy lifestyle, being overweight, being sedentary, all of the things, all the things. I wanted to define heavy alcohol use because I think sometimes we like think of heavy alcohol use as people who are just like blacking out every day. So... For men, consuming more than four drinks on a day or 14 drinks per week is heavy drinking. And for women, three drinks a day on any given day. So that's if you have more than four drinks in one day, that's considered heavy drinking. So if you're like, oh, well, on Saturdays, I just like, yeah, I like drink all day with the boys on the golf course or whatever. I have like four or five beers. That is considered heavy drinking. Even if it's just that one day. Even if it's just that one day. You're still a heavy drinker. If you're doing that once, that's still, because I think... I think sometimes that we don't really think about what heavy drinking right. means. It's like, well, if it's just one day, it's not like it's an everyday yeah. kind of thing. And you're like, well, I'm not getting drunk or I'm not whatever. It right. doesn't matter. You're still consuming that and your body still has to process it. So just something to think about. Yes. If you like your erection, you may want to slow down on the beers. Slow, d- slow it down, boys. <laughs> slow down. I think psychologically sometimes this is so much harder for men than some of, I mean, 
this is hard for men. I don't want to compare like men and women. I think this is really hard for men because there's a stigma Absolutely. out there. Almost the opposite. Like, well, if a woman can climax, big deal. Like, But right. for men, there's like, oh, like guys can like stick it in a couch cushion and it's fine. <laughs> and, and it's like, so then if a guy starts struggling with this, it doesn't matter what age. It's like, oh what's wrong with yeah. me if every yeah. every person anywhere can get an erection and then like I get stressed and then they get more in their head about it and it's just right. creates this really negative cycle so with all that coordination and complicating factor or, the erection is complex so with all of that being said pelvic floor physical therapy can help if this Absolutely. is something that you are struggling with. You could be the biggest, most macho, strong guy and be like, I don't have weak pelvic floor muscles. And it could be your muscles are too tight in yep. some places. And so you've got a, a dysfunction, a discoordination. Things aren't activating like they should be. So if you've rolled out the big scary stuff, go see a pelvic floor PT. There's such this idea out there that, oh, it's just a woman thing. And we've talked about this. It's not. Tuesdays are for the boys, yeah. too. We've <laughs> talked about it. It is not just a woman thing. But it's hard enough getting women to come in here. It's even yes. harder getting men to come yes. in here. Something that's been really neat lately is I, t I talked a while ago about how had a lot of mothers and daughters. Well, now I've had a lot of husband-wife duos. And so yeah. I'll start talking about things. And all of a sudden, the husband's ears perk up. And he's like, uh, do, uh, do men have, yep. have one of these as well? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And so it kind of sparks this new conversation. I'm like, I'm going to give you Linda and Alita's card, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you talk to them. Like, you go see them. But, yeah, and I think it's just like how I think it's sad that women accept all these things as common or normal. I think it's sad that like men are just accepting yeah. this and it's like, maybe they've tried the little blue pill Viagra or right, some form of right. AD medication and it didn't help. So they're just like, well, yeah. And, and again, because there are so many things that go into achieving and maintaining the erection, if you're not looking at everything, then that little blue pill might not help everything. So one thing that we haven't really talked about a ton is the role of testosterone, which Ooh. I think is a big, um, honestly, I would love to do a whole episode just on testosterone right. like it's a monster I'm gonna add so, it to the list okay perfect <laughs> so testosterone men and women males females intersex everybody has testosterone and estrogen in their body everybody does those are our primary sex hormones obviously in genetically male or female people that level of those hormones are going to be a little bit different um, and so in genetically males that level of testosterone is a lot higher um, and is just naturally produced by those sexual organs and so the main role of testosterone is to regulate the time of the erection process as a function of that sexual desire and so it's basically kind of like okay this is a sexual activity we have an erection and making that association basically mm -hmm. and it also controls the mechanical process of an erection and also some of those male behaviors and attitudes and so testosterone declines later in life it's kind of similar to estrogen now with women and, and females it's much more of a dramatic drop it's like all right once that last egg is gone and we're in menopause 
bye, we're done. Estrogen tanks. Um, but with testosterone, it's a little bit more of a gradual decline over the years, which is why it, for a lot of men, it doesn't always start off as just like this immediate, oh my gosh, I can't get an erection anymore. Sometimes it's okay. It's starting to get a little bit harder. It's starting to become a little bit more frequent that I'm having these difficulties, um, because of that just kind of slow decline of testosterone. Now, side note, bodybuilders take a lot of testosterone sometimes. It's one of those performance enhancing drugs. Friend of mine was with this guy, 21, 22 years old, like he was a young guy, had taken a lot of testosterone in his past, was currently not on it, wasn't on any sort of cycle or anything like that. And so they're hanging out, things are getting hot and heavy and heated and he kind of stops her and he's just like I like I like I can't she's like what are you talking about like what do you mean and he was like I've taken so much testosterone before that like I have to know like I had like I have to take Cialis 22 years old had to take Cialis probably for the rest of his life if he's not on testosterone if he's not on hormone replacements. So be careful, all my bodybuilders out there, please be careful. Be careful, make sure that you are getting the correct support for your system, get your blood work done. Um, if you are taking any sort of performance enhancing drugs, like get your blood work done and make sure you know where your levels are at, do it safe, do it right. There's a right and a safe way to do it. Um, just be smart about it. I'm not gonna speak about it till we do like a testosterone because yeah. I want to talk more educatedly about it but essentially when you take some of these things in excess it can mess with your body's ability to produce its own naturally like what you yeah. saw in that situation so we're not saying hey guys you can't get an erection just go buy some testosterone and probably not gonna work like, get your blood work done talk to your doctor get to, yes, yes yes get to a doctor so that those low levels of testosterone like I have a lot of friends that are on TRT and like it works great for them like because they just naturally have lower testosterone and so that can look like a couple other things like I said we will dive well, way we'll talk into, about we'll that dive later. way into that later but it, it does work great for them because they true truly genuinely do have lower levels of testosterone so that hormone replacement works great for them um, they feel stronger they feel happier they feel healthier. They have a more normal sex drive. They have more hair on the top of their head, like yeah. all, all of those things. Um, but testosterone is definitely a big thing that can impact the ability to achieve and maintain the erection. How many times have I said that today? I feel like achieve and maintain. <laughs> so something I, when you're talking about testosterone, I was like looking up ways to naturally boost testosterone oh, what you and this is for men and women this is not just men but it's basically the, literally the same for everything else we talk about yeah number one improve your diet because having maintaining a healthy body weight helps you have a higher level of testosterone because when you have more fat particularly abdominal fat there's basically a higher enzyme production and it converts testosterone. So you have a lower level of testosterone. Hmm. So healthy diet, number one. Number two, mix cardio with strength training. Exercise in general can help, but mixing the cardio and strength training helps you have higher levels of testosterone. Does this sound familiar? Next one, get plenty of sleep. Hmm. 
Most testosterone release happens while you're sleeping, meaning that sleep has a direct effect on your testosterone levels. Getting less than eight hours of sleep can reduce a man's testosterone levels by as much as 15% the next day. Hmm. Ready for the next one? Take steps to reduce stress. Hmm. Stress increases cortisol and... Studies show that circulating cortisol reduces the levels of testosterone in the bloodstream. Hmm. And then address any underlying medical conditions. And that's where it talks about diabetes and all the other things. So literally everything we talk about that's just good for life in general is good for your testosterone. Maybe there's a link. I don't yeah. know. You'll find out in our we'll testosterone find episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. So gonna... testosterone and estrogen do so much. We need to have a whole monster episode on estrogen too. Yeah. Probably. No, we've done one. We need a part two. We need a part two. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll just do a series on estrogen, testosterone. Honestly. Just all the, all the a hor- hormone episode. There's so many. A hormone series. Um. But yes, be healthy, live that healthy lifestyle. Testosterone, like I said, it's present in males and females. No matter how you present what you identify as, you got both in there. You got both. So making sure both of those are at a healthy level for you and your goals are super, super important. So get your lab work done. And I think going going back to exercise, and I know we bring it back to exercise a lot, and part of that is because we're physical therapists, but the research backs it yes. up. And so if you think about what you talked about, all the, the three components of what yeah. leads to erection. So the stress, anxiety, confidence, yep. the big health issues. The physical issues, and then the psychic issues, so relationship if issues. If you're getting that regular level of exercise... <clears throat> Well, your confidence is going to be higher if you're exercising. I mean, we feel better, right? Body weight's going to be better. We're going to be at reduced risk for the big scary things. So it just, I mean, I just, again, exercise is a fountain of youth for men and women. Go to the gym. Yeah. Go to the gym if you want an erection. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be your PSA this week. Go to the gym to to get a boner. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We have not done well. We said we were going to be mature. That's gone out the window. But but I do want to speak a little bit about pelvic floor physical therapy for men. The whole reason we're here. Whole reason we're here. We have digressed, but we're back. (laughs) Most of the time, I've talked about this before, but women will ask me, well, and usually right after an internal exam, they're like, well, if men have this, like, how do you do the internal exam? How do you think? I'm like, I think you know. I think you know. (laughs) So... It is, and I want to emphasize, a very gentle internal assessment via the rectum. Our late, we don't, Rachel and I don't do this, but the women who do it are so professional. They've been doing it oh forever gosh, yes. and they are phenomenal. And they, like most of the guys you talk to that are willing to talk, they're like, it's nothing. It's not yeah. even a big deal. Yeah. Like, but they'll assess that muscle, those muscles, because a lot of times, just like we've talked about in women, it's not just that there's a weakness. Maybe there's mm-hmm. a weakness in that UGT, but we've got an overactivity in some of the other layers. Maybe everything's overactive. Yep. Maybe everything's weak. Maybe it's a coordination, a timing thing. And so maybe you've got some funky things going on with your core, with your glutes, everything like that. So it's going to be that assessment of everything, like everything. we've talked about for our girls. It's going to be an assessment of everything to figure out what's going on. And then based on that assessment, it's going to be probably some sort of combination of diaphragm breathing and down training anything that's upregulated and strengthening anything that's weak. 
a lot of times people panic like our girls do when they start having incontinence our boys when they have erectile dysfunction or incontinence or whatever same thing all right how do i do 50 they look up how to do kegels yep they start doing 50 million kegels a day just like we've told our girls you can do kegels wrong boys you can do kegels wrong and make your problem worse yes now not only do you have erectile dysfunction but you have pelvic pain and stress incontinence too congratulations (laughs) so stop doing kegels come see us first It's like anything else. It should be done, you know, a graded resistance base. Yes. I was super fascinated. Linda, one of our um, pelvic floor physical therapists that treats men, she sent us an article and it was all about strength training. They can do Kegels way cooler than we can. I know. I was like, I want to be able to do that. Yeah. She pinched the thing and pulled there and moved the skin over that way. I was like, that's fun. Yeah. Basically, you can do resistance training with the penis yes. by like holding it and pr- like pulling and providing some resistance and then contracting against your yep. own resistance ladies we can't ladies really. don't try please don't. Don't, don't try don't even try don't pull on anything you <laughs> just go use your pelvic wand <laughs> and do some lunges that's it no but it's so there's some really cool i was just so fascinated i was like that is so cool yeah i was like i was like i'm, I'm gonna make carson dress <laughs> I have it. I have Show it. me. This poor man. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. He agreed to marry me before he knew what I was going to do. As yeah. a, so <laughs> did not know what he was getting into. Um, but yeah, there's like so many super cool ways to strengthen. Yes. That women don't have. We. Yeah. It's not like that for us. Although we can use. Well, I guess technically men could use Kegel weights too. But I feel like kegel weights for women would be a little bit more comfortable yeah so um so yes pelvic floor physical therapy can help with erectile dysfunction it can help with premature ejaculation um it is um obviously where do we go when we ever talking about anything sexual the journal of sexual medicine of course um where else would we go um and so this article was called the effect of pelvic floor rehabilitation in men with sexual dysfunction published in 2021 basically their conclusion was that pelvic floor muscle training is simple safe and non-invasive and therefore it should be preferred in the management of premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction so come see us and i just think about like if you could fix it without having to take a pill and you can get it to where yes. you're able to have that erection naturally, it's not like, okay, wait, like, let me take my pill. Like, are we going to, and you can re- retain some of your spontaneity. Yeah. I just think, why not go for it? Cause let, let me, let me tell you some of the other interventions that we've got here oh for boy. erectile dysfunction. We've got the oral drugs, right? The, the Viagra, the Cialis, Levitra, Stendra. Those are phosphodiesterase type five inhibitors. No, I have no idea what that means, but that's what they do. Uh, we also have testosterone therapy, right? We've got that TRT replacement for, um, that those, those low levels of testosterone that is usually only provided after extensive lab work and blood tests have been done to make sure that that is actually what's going on. Um, and this is usually a first line option, especially with hypogonadal function. And so that's its own, own separate thing. We've got penile injections. <laughs> that sounds fun. Uh, Intraurethral medications. That goes, also sounds fun. Up your urethra. Uh, vacuums. I saw the vacuum. I was like, is this real? Oh, it's but real. But it's on the American Uro- Urological Association, oh, so yeah. it has to be real. Uh, it was in Magic Mike, too. There's I, a penis pump in Magic Mike, in case you've ever seen that movie. I saw that movie with my grandma. That was the time. Why? 
Yeah, the vacuum is wild. Yes. Yeah. It's so literally you, exactly yeah. what it sounds like. It's Sorry, exactly what it sounds like. Yes. You insert the penis like a, a in, into tube. like a plastic tube and then like pump up the air and it, yeah. It like pulls the blood. Yeah. Into- so, you know, there was like a, a trend for a while where girls would like suck on a shot glass. Basically, like put their lips yeah. like, in a shot glass and like suck on it. And then they'd uh-huh. like look like they had like lip implants after they took it off. It's, it's literally the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. So you could also get penal implants. Surgery. Yep. Fine. Um, Or a penile vascular surgery. Now, that vascular surgery is typically reserved for younger men that have been in some sort of accident, had some sort of trauma or injury to the area. Um, Typically, that surgery is not going to be recommended for the older men that have some cardiovascular issues going on already. That surgery would just be way too risky. There would just be more risk than, than benefit. So, and of course, to wrap it all off, that pelvic floor physical therapy, there are so many different muscles that are involved within that erection response and maintenance and so that again that strengthening the coordination the endurance of those muscles is all going to play a huge role in that function i want to talk briefly about and i was hoping you would bring it up so i don't have to try to say this word (laughs) prostatectomies yes yes if you're a long-time listener you know i struggle with that word she nailed it prostatectomies so Typically, whenever possible, because that that was another thing I noticed when I was talking to husbands and wives, and they would bring up erectile dysfunction, mm-hmm. and he'd be like, well, he's had a, a prostatectomy, or he's had his prostate yes. removed. Yes. Okay, and? And? So, in like a long, it was like the 1960s, 1970s, I had the date written down, but I don't have that paper with me. There, so the nerves that control the erection are, there's a bundle kind of close to that prostate. So when the prostate is removed, when they first started doing that surgery, they just took the entire nerve bundle with it and you were left with no neural activation. So no erection was possible. But then this man came along again. I don't have his name because I don't have that paper, but he created a sake or a nerve sparing surgery where they could remove the prostate and save the nerves. So typically today, that is all, like that's the standard of care is to spare those nerves. Unless you were like a special case where something happened, then those nerves should be spared. That's not to say you might have some decreased activation, maybe some trauma to those nerves after surgery. You may have a little bit of trouble. Every every case is gonna be different. But physical therapy following a prostatectomy has been shown to be very, very successful in treating erectile dysfunction and incontinence. So just because you've had your prostate removed and you're struggling with erectile dysfunction doesn't mean it'll always be that way. Come see a pelvic floor physical therapist. We treat the nerves too. Like we've said a million times, we are neuromusculoskeletal experts. The nerves, the muscles, and the skeleton, that is what we treat. And usually erectile dysfunction is a neurovascular musculo problem. So come see us, even if you've had your prostate removed. Yes. Um, I don't have the exact numbers. I was trying to flip back through my notebook to see if I had my notes from that episode in here, if they were on my computer, but I had some of them. Um, 68 to 98% of men will experience erectile dysfunction after a prostatectomy or after some sort of prostate cancer treatment radiation. Um, That is a huge amount. 
a huge amount. And so this can really, they, 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 this is going to impact your day-to-day life. Like absolutely it will. Yeah. Like we've had, like I've had a couple of patients that have like, when I start asking about sexual function, they're just like, they kind of get a little bit sad. They're a little bit disappointed. They're like, no, my husband can't yeah. like, that's just, you know, not on the table for us anymore. And I'm like, okay, we treat that, get their butts in here. Yeah. Like absolutely. Like this can, this isn't something that you just have to live with. This isn't something that's just part of old age or getting older. Yes. It can be more difficult, but there's still treatment options. There are still ways that we can help. And Linda and Alita are phenomenal therapists, phenomenal clinicians. They are understanding. They are sensitive. They're not going to make you feel like less of a man by any means. This does not make you less of a man. Like I said, there are so many different treatment options for you. This isn't something that you just have to live with. So, And if it's like, if you're in our area... We are half pelvic floor, half sports-specific orthopedic. Yeah. So when you come and you're sitting in our lobby and say you run into Bob, and you're like, Bob's like, hey, Joe, what you doing here? You don't have to tell him, like, you're here for pelvic. You can tell him, oh, I'm here for my back or my hip. You can. I tell people all the time, I'm like, does your back hurt sometimes? Yeah. Okay. Tell people that's why you're here. Because they get really awkward. They're like, well, I don't want people to see. Our clinic's half and half. No one's going to know why you're here. No one's going to know. Tell them if they're like, oh, what are you doing here? It's my back. Or my hip or like whatever and like and a lot of us we treat other things too like we mainly treat pelvic floor but like every once in a while we'll get a knee you know a hip something like that and so like even if you know even if they do see you go back with their pelvic floor therapist like that nobody's gonna know nobody's gonna know unless you tell them and i'm not saying you should be ashamed of it i mean i know some guys (laughs) that have had it and they think it's great and they scream from the rooftops and i wholly support that but if that's what's stopping you don't let that stop you so yeah yeah that's our spiel that's our spiel spiel. so treatment for erectile dysfunction is largely going to depend on what the heck is going on what the underlying causes um but it's going to look like that treatment is going to look probably like a combination of pharmacological behavioral and muscular intervention Mm -hmm. um and again that's where we come in come hang out um no we cannot prescribe drugs but we know people who can and exercise is our medicine yeah that's our prescription so back to our psa go to the gym to get an erection yep after you don't get an erection at the gym but <laughs> save it for later but to keep I should, let me i'm gonna change that go to the gym <laughs> to maintain your erection i don't know if that's much better you're <laughs> i'm gonna try you're gonna see some dudes in the corner that's just like kind of like flexing his butt cheeks a little bit we're like what are you doing i'm maintaining my erection thank you i'm gonna try one more time <laughs> Go to the gym to maintain your ability to have an erection. There it is. That's your PSA. <laughs> Thank you and good night. <laughs> I love our job so much. Oh, oh my goodness. We're going to get fired. <gasps> okay. All right, ladies and gents. I know Rachel has a board question. Are you ready for a board I, question? I haven't heard it. I'm so excited. Great. I'm going to start and preface this. I don't love this question. Um, you could have picked any question. Why did I you? know. I was crunched for time and the ones that I were finding were kind of also pissing me off. Okay. Um, so <laughs> this one was the closest one. It could just, it, it can be a little bit confusing. So 
You are working in a women's health physical therapy clinic treating a woman with urge urinary incontinence. Urge urinary incontinence occurs when the sensation of a full bladder is perceived and urine is leaked due to an inability to delay voiding to reach a toilet. Which of the following correctly identifies a cause of urinary urge incontinence? A. Hypersensitive bladder. B. Impaired cognition. C. Neurogenic bladder or D, weak pelvic floor muscles. So basically what this is asking, like you have to kind of think, okay, through these answer choices, which one of these is the most likely cause of urge urinary incontinence? What would the other ones be more associated with? You have to put on, because I think I know the answer to this question, uh-huh. and the board brain versus yes. my clinical brain yes. are not on the same page. No. So to any of our students taking a, a a board exam soon put on your board brain yes. when answering these questions because it's different it's different your your clinic brain and your test taking brain are different brains because so. my clinical brain is like well it depends but my it's board brain I think I know the answer <laughs> which, which is why I didn't really love this question because yeah. I was like in theory like yes the answer makes sense but in practice it's so much more complicated than that so I'm going to read the question and the answer choices again and then I'll tell you the correct one you are working in a women's health physical therapy clinic treating a woman with urge urinary incontinence Urge urinary incontinence occurs when the sensation of a full bladder is perceived and urine is leaked due to an inability to delay voiding to reach a toilet. Which of the following correctly identifies a cause of urge urinary incontinence? A. Hypersensitive bladder. B. Impaired cognition. C. Neurogenic bladder. Or D. Weak pelvic floor muscles. Can I answer? Yeah. Is it D? No. (gasps) It What's is the not. answer? It is a hypersensitive bladder. That was what I thought too, because I was like, yes, like that makes the more sen- the most uh-huh. sense. Um, but the reasoning kind of behind these answer choices, a hypersensitive bladder is going to send you those sensations of urgency more often and at a much higher level of urgency than some of those other options, which can make getting to the bathroom a little bit difficult. Now, if you also happen to have weak pelvic floor muscles on top of that, right. then that could also cause that incontinence. The reasoning, they said that the weak pelvic floor muscles would be more likely a cause of stress urinary incontinence, which is like 50-50 true yeah. and, not, and falls at the same time. Like I've seen it be due to weaknesses. I've also seen it be due to way crazy overactivities. So again, your clinic brain is different than your test taking brain. Yes. So the correct answer is A, a hypersensitive bladder. Impaired cognition um, would be more of a cause of functional urinary incontinence. So that just functional urinary incontinence um, is basically the inability to get to the bathroom in time, mainly due to mobility issues. So, you know, do they have to deal with a walker? Do they have to deal with an oxygen tank and tubing? Um, You know, are they, do they have arthritis in their hands and can't undo their body? buttons and zippers in time to get to the bathroom and everything like that. Can they even register that urge? Exactly. And do they know what to do with that urge? Exactly. And so then C, the neurogenic bladder, that would be more due to an overflow incontinence. Overflow incontinence is pretty rare. Um, for the most part, we can pretty much like 
keep those urgency signals at bay with overflow incontinence, that's literally the bladder is way too full. Like literally 110% full. There is no more room. So it's coming out kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Most people are able to get to the bathroom before then, or at least, you know, kind of be able to control that urge um, before that happens. But with that neurogenic bladder, that comes after a long, long, long history of delaying that void and waiting too long and waiting, 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 waiting. And now we've got that detrusor muscle that just doesn't function properly. And with that detrusor muscle dysfunction, that's when we have that neurogenic bladder. It's not able to contract and relax appropriately the way that it needs to. Teachers and nurses, did you hear that? Yes. That is you, ladies and gents. Take this to your principal if you need to. Literally. Or your supervisor or whatever. Yeah, I think the key to that question was it says um, the bladder perceived as Mm -hmm. full. And so when we get... We've talked about before, what urge are you responding to, things like that. That was a good question. Yeah. That was, yeah. I liked it. Like I said, a little bit tricky, a little bit different from clinical practice, but um, that is, that's your answer, a hypersensitive bladder. So, and we've got so many tricks to deal with that too. So if you do have urge incontinence or if you do feel like you have a hypersensitive overactive bladder, we've got so many tricks for that. So absolutely come see us, come see us. That can still be a pelvic floor, pelvic floor uh, function and goal. So that's your board question. I have loved how many good responses we have gotten yes. for the board questions. I'm glad so, people like it because yes. we love it. We, we love it. So can't guarantee that we're going to have like oodles and oodles and oodles of board questions um, that we can kind of find, but we'll do our best. And, and if we can come up with some, we can yeah, come up with some too. And we might sprinkle in some just regular ortho, neuro yeah. stuff when we run out of pelvic floor. We'll have yeah, to see. Absolutely. There's a lot of good ones. I, fa- I did find some good ones with like pregnancy yeah. and like sacroiliac joint dysfunction and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it might not always be like specific bladder, bowel, pelvic floor related, but you'll get some board questions from us. Yeah. I love how we're developing segments of the show. It makes me really happy. It is evolving. (laughs) So... Do you have a patient win? I do. I do. So I have this patient. I've been seeing her for October, I think since October. So five months, four or five months now at this point, um, she was coming in with some pretty significant incontinence. And I'm talking like full void, full empty multiple times a day, was changing her clothes multiple times a day, running through pads and was getting up four or five times in the middle of the night. Um, So we've been working a lot. She had a little bit of an overactivity at first. So we worked on calming that down and then we're able to jump into Kegels and strengthening. And she has been doing amazing, amazing. She came in, I saw her yesterday and she was like, I just had one leak one that is it in the lot and I only see her like every other week every couple weeks and so she's like I've only had one leak um and she was like that was when I just turned the water on and all of a sudden I was leaking I was like all right here's what we're gonna do to combat that here's what we're gonna do to treat that because we've talked about Pavlov urges before so that's basically what that was um but other than that she was like I feel like I actually have control over my bladder now and I was like yes like that is the best thing that I can give somebody like that is like such a good feeling when they come in they're like I feel like I have control I feel like I control my bladder now like yes that's it I've done my job 
I love like you can just hear the empowerment in that statement yes. though that I can control my like it's not control because yes. people get to where it, it runs their life they're like yeah. I have to I can't go there because I have to go to the bathroom I can't go out today because yep. it's a bad bladder day yep that is so huge yeah. I love that I yeah. love that I love that yep. I love she's that. doing amazing and you just saw like the light in her eyes too and she just like you she can just lit up when she said it people yeah. yeah you really can okay what's yours oh I love this one I know again <laughs> this patient sweetest human on the planet my most favorite patient <laughs> say that about everybody her again <laughs> this is a different favorite patient sweetest human I've ever met and also has the cutest relationship her and her husband have married been married almost 30 years and they're ridiculously in love like love so that. in love also until about six to seven months ago super sexually active she was like like I love our sex we love like that is how we connect like I love our intimacy I love it but then about six months ago it started becoming painful and it, it was like they went from having sex every single day pretty much to it was so painful they hadn't had it in like three months oh my gosh. and she came in and was devastated she was like that's not us and she was yeah. like I like tried to ignore it for a while because it kind of just got gradually more and more painful and she was like but it just hurt so bad and like I would cry and she started crying in the eval Aww. so we've been working pretty hard pretty hard and we've been working on pretty bad overactivity working on calming that down working on some core strengthening some glute strengthening because those things were weak she came in and she was like I had sex and it was a little bit painful I did all my things and it was not painful and it was fantastic and it was like it used to be she was like it was so great my biggest problem now is he's been gone for two weeks and (laughs) I miss him and she was like but we have a date tomorrow night and I am so excited and (laughs) and just like she was she went from being pretty like devastated and crushed when she came in to then seeing her just be like yeah. so happy and so excited and to get that part of her marriage back yes. was huge and I love that I just that is love amazing it was just it's always great to help people but it's really great when it's like a happy couple yes. that like love each other and because a lot of times we get oh my husband will be happy that it doesn't hurt anymore and right. I hate that response I like, I like no like I didn't do this for him I did this right. for you like we did this for you not I like we work together to do this for you yes. too not just your husband it's for you together yes. yes for that that bond and that connection and for you guys to enjoy each other so it was just like uber rewarding that is I beautiful loved it. I was so happy I love that so much that is such a good win yeah. that's such a good win good wins this week yes good wins this week yep I started writing down patient wins I did too and it is so encouraging just to have like a running list I'm like wow because like, wow I'm brilliant sometimes <laughs> what we treat can be kind of chronic and so yeah. there's sometimes you're like and then through the holidays people had a harder time doing their exercises yeah. and so you yeah. start to feel like man, am I helping people? But then you yeah. look and you're like, okay, I had one person who had made no progress and the other 12 were yes. doing good that day. But it's the, it's when, when I wasn't writing them down, it seems to be the, the people that are struggling yeah. that yeah. I think about. So that was really good for, so if you're a clinician, don't write people's names down, HIPAA, but yeah. write down your wins. If you're starting yeah. to get burned out, I think it's put them on really, sticky notes, put yeah. them on, yeah, put, put it somewhere where you can see it. Put things people have said to you, like positive things, yeah. like, Hey, this changed my life. I feel so much better. Yeah. I can go to the, like little things. I think it'll really help with that burnout that I know sometimes PTs yeah. can experience. For so. sure. For sure. But 
That is it. That's That's all we got for you guys this week. So lots of things in today's episode. Um, But yeah, we like having like the little segments. If there's any other segments that you want us to do, um, please let us know. If there's anything else that you want us to kind of like jump into week to week, absolutely let us know. We're here for it. We're here for it. So we have some big things coming up. Yes. In the next few episodes. So be sure you're tuning in. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.